We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We'll never get on top of these problem pests, we like to call them, uh, by focusing on the pest. We need to look at the big picture, the environment, and why is it now suited to that particular species to have become a problem for us. This is the Big Shift for Small Farms podcast. G'day listeners, I'm your host, Edgar Greste. Since European settlement in Australia, we've dramatically altered the landscape. From clearing native habitat for cities and farm monocultures, to introducing exotic species. All of these actions have created the perfect environment for certain species to thrive, including insects, mice, foxes and rabbits. So in this episode, we're going to hear about a range of ways to control these pests. But first up, we're going to hear from someone who's thinking outside the box when it comes to animal pest control. My name is Brian Welberg and I'm a holistic management educator and uh, I run a small training company and we deliver training in holistic management. Nature's always trying to fill vacuums. Nature abhors vacuums. There's always something that nature will try and fill in when there's a gap because as soon as there's a gap that leads to instability. So, so nature's always trying to fill, fill those gaps to create stability through uh, the diversity of, of all species. So invariably when we have individual species that are out of whack it's generally a, a whole environment problem and as humans we tend to focus on parts you know we're very linear and we tend to react things so when you do have a weed or a pest we tend to focus on the weed and pest let's look big picture let's look holistically at the environment and every species is in existence in that environment because the environment suits it so as an example, you know, if, if we took a, a polar bear out of the Arctic and dropped it in Colorado, how long would it survive? Uh, not very long. It certainly wouldn't breed into huge swarms of white polar bears in Colorado. And similarly, if we took a, a brown bear from Colorado and popped it into, into the Arctic, genetics are virtually the same, but they've evolved in different environments and are suited to different environments. So whenever we see an explosion of, and it doesn't matter whether it's a feral animal or a weed, it's generally because that environment's suited to those animals or pests or species, whatever it is. Brian's message is not to focus on the pest, but rather the environment. Because if we concentrate all our energy on the problem, we just end up with more problems and a big headache. I like to use the analogy of taking aspirin when you're beating yourself on the head with a hammer. If you don't stop beating yourself on the head, you can consume boxes, cartons of aspirin. You can spend millions of dollars on aspirin but you'll continue to have a headache. And when we look at how much time, money and effort's been spent on trying to control ferals and weeds in Australia, the numbers are astounding, you know, and that normally doesn't consider how much time and effort the farmers have put in to try to manage these problems. That really tells me we're looking in the wrong place. We need to try and manage the complexity, so we need to zoom out. Because if we focus on the problems, we'll never solve them, and they often have unforeseen circumstances and consequences. Uh, and whether that's poisoning river systems, reducing complexity even further, especially when we start using fairly broad-scale chemicals, technologies to sort the problems out. Brian's worked across a range of different landscapes, and his advice to farmers is to get diversity into the environment, 
because diversity builds stability. Now, anytime I see land managers having a problem with an individual species, to me that means there is a lack of diversity in that environment. If it's grasshoppers and you've only got one species of bird that eats grasshoppers, you're going to have plagues of grasshoppers. However, if you've managed your environment to have diversity and you've got 50 species of bird that eats grasshoppers, you know, you might have grasshoppers, but they'll never reach those plague proportions. But it's the problem comes when they, uh, we get a, a narrowing of species. And so we have outbreaks of pigs or, or cats or rats or, uh, you know, Australia seems particularly bad with feral animals. And again, I would suggest it's because biodiversity is actually fairly low. There's not that complexity. So whatever we can do to control those ferals, those weeds, those problem species must simultaneously help build biodiversity, help create stability and help with production. You know, from my own experience where we were managing livestock in a safari area, just keeping those animals bunched. Um, no predator likes to break the bunch, to go into the bunch. So where we had huge predator problems with leopards and what have you, just keeping those animals bunched at night. And we were virtually lost no animals once we started changing our management practice. There are people using maramas, there are people using donkeys. There's a lot of knowledge out there. So by introducing another species, and it might be a donkey, people are controlling the foxes. Again, what we're doing is we're introducing another species to help with the problem, which then builds biodiversity and creates stability. Brian's advice is to look to nature for solutions when it comes to managing pests. Someone doing just that is David Brook. I'm David Brook, and I started a project called Owl B&B, O-W-L-B&B, about five years ago, where we recognised that there would be a need for habitat for wildlife in agricultural areas, and we looked at ways to encourage landowners and farmers to support wildlife on their properties by exploring win-win benefits, where the farmer would benefit from having the wildlife living there and so would the wildlife. And so the Airbnb was a bit of a play on Airbnb. We provide a bed and breakfast for the owls and we attract owls to farms and agricultural environments where they have a safe place to live and they assist in controlling pests, most notably mice and rats that were damaging the food crops. What is your solution? Like, what is the actual thing that you create? One of our ready-made solutions are, are nest boxes. So they replicate a tree hollow. And we are very research-based in the way we design these nest boxes to make sure that they're as ideal as possible. If a species was looking for the most ideal natural tree hollow in the natural environment, but couldn't find one, then hopefully they would like to use one of the nest boxes that we're putting up. Can you talk to me a little bit about the solutions that farmers are trying to use for pest control on their farms, you know, the conventional way of solving those problems before you've come in and, and offered a solution? The conventional way of solving the problem of mice and rats damaging food crops is really the use of pesticides. And the farmers were telling us that the pesticides were becoming less effective and they were required to use more and more toxic 
solutions every year. They didn't like handling the, the baits. There was a large amount of labor involved in managing the baiting program. And still it wasn't that effective. And talking to macadamia growers, they were still losing 15% of their crop through damage by rats, even though there were baits and toxic pesticides out in the field. So this was a way that had many win-win benefits. If we could establish safe habitat on the farms for the owls to live and breed and hunt, they could also help manage the rat pest problem. And the starting point was about taking pesticides out of the food chain and toxic chemicals out of the food chain and assisting the farmers with a, another solution. And that grabbed farmers' attention. And so we started establishing this habitat on a range of trial properties throughout this region. And we're monitoring the success of that. And when we started this five years ago, it was a bit of an idea that some industry groups knew about. The Macadamia Growers Association had put it in their strategy as a biological control for the rat problem, damaging the macadamia nuts but there wasn't really anyone doing it effectively and comprehensively. So we looked at establishing trial sites on a whole range of properties and then monitoring how the owls were behaving. And we needed to, to adapt this to a regional fragmentation landscape where wildlife doesn't take any notice of farm boundaries or fences. And so we needed to look at working with adjoining farms and building areas that were from like everything we do has to be from the the wildlife's perspective to look at the best possible way to establish habitat and try and get these benefits of removing chemicals out of the food chain and having a way of introducing biodiversity into food production so the owls eat rats program morphed into using uh, habitat and attracting safe place for microbats to live, knowing that they have a role in controlling pest insects and also pollination of some crops. And then we looked at ways to create safe habitat for native bees to assist in pollination of food crops as well. And it doesn't stop. It's not just one solution that can't be looked at in isolation. That We're talking about biodiversity and overlaying that across an agricultural landscape. So it's, we've got a long way to go. We're about to start a major university-backed trial to really bring some scientific rigour to this. And we've started working with other groups and industries around the world. In California, the Owls Eat Gophers solution is a tried and true practice in the wine industry. And since we started this idea, it's become around the world as a real thing. So we're on the edge of collecting data and analyzing the information as fast as possible and sharing that so that we can look at ways really to empower food production by engaging a biodiverse approach. Owls and microbats are great for smaller pest animals, but we don't have any large native carnivores in Australia. So what are we doing about our large pests? My name's Lee Parker. Um, I work for Greater Sydney Local Land Services as a team leader um, biosecurity. So yeah, I look after the biosecurity functions within the organisation. When we're sort of thinking about biosecurity, what are some of the major 
challenges that landholders face and that you know the things that you're kind of dealing with and addressing on a, on a regular basis my uh, main role is to assist um, landholders in the community in uh, pest animal control um, and that's being vertebrate pests there's a lot of um, urbanization within our region the major pests that we um, quite commonly deal with obviously the uh, urban fox they, they take people's shoes from the front door scavenge through the bins um, and, ma and make a mess upset dogs and then they bark all night so you've got those kind of impacts and then you've got the obviously the livestock production where for example out at Lakesland we've got chicken farmers where there was um, a couple of young foxes running up and down the chicken sheds and simply the birds smothered within their shed during that hot night and that killed sort of like 150 chickens in one night and also foxes are killing our uh, native marsupials but then you've got the rabbits where they've got like a different impact on the environment where it's like more weeds um, spread and um, that competition with other animals and then the deers are the same as well within our region being quite urbanized um, the deer have got no fear with crossing roads within our local community but also all pest animals seem to be evolving around our urbanization yes the urbanization's encroaching on our rural lands and in some occasion yes we push the deer or the pests back into that rural lands but they are evolving it's quite amazing watching them how they evolve to urbanization as well um, which makes our job 10 times harder and that's where we have to think outside the square and how we're actually going to control the these pests within these urban areas as well also our challenges is trying to um, deal with the general community within our region obviously we've got a lot of people that don't understand pest animal management due to the fact that the pest may not be actually impacting on that particular person therefore they think what we're doing is uh, not right and it's trying to promote and educate the community on what we do and, and how we do it that we're demonstrating um, humaneness best practices and we are doing it safely as well the other side of it is the landholders how can they be best prepared for you or, or work in best with you when trying to solve the problems yeah so usually what we will ask the actual landholders what they're actually trying to achieve for example with foxes we're never going to eradicate foxes out of this area there's more foxes within the greater Sydney area than there is out in those rural areas because they've got the habitation they've got the food uh, and they're just there's there's a lot of foxes within this area. So in regards to to fox control, it will never be eradication. It's more about asset protection. So we'll ask the landholder, what are you actually trying to achieve? Is it to try and protect those three chickens um, that you've got as as, as um, backyard layers, or are you trying to protect a small sheep flock within the area? Now the landholders that do say that they want to protect their three chickens in their backyard so the foxes don't attack it we suggest that it's more about well why don't you make your chicken coop fox proof because there's no point putting one bait out on that particular land because when you get rid of one fox others are just going to keep returning and returning with that chicken holder we try and encourage them not to attract the foxes around to their property so for example if they have a domestic dog and they feed it outside and there's um, dog food left over you're actually attracting foxes to that location because there's a food source for him so that's what we try and encourage landholders to do now if we look at like a, a, a sheep herd that um, the ewes are going to be lambing we try and encourage the landholder to bait six weeks before the ewes start to lamb and that way you've reduced the population of foxes within that core area and by the time they use lamb the lambs will be old enough to fend themselves away from those foxes by the time the other foxes move into that area so it'll be like an ongoing six-week control program 
But again, it's um, it's never going to be eradication. If eradication is appropriate and we think we can manage it, yes, definitely, we, we will try and eradicate that pest. But with foxes and rabbits, it's more about asset protection and trying to keep them to a manageable population. In terms of pest animal control, it's not about utilising one control technique because it's that control technique will not work by itself so it's about trying to integrate as many control techniques possible where obviously you can do it legally and humanely how can a landholder be best prepared and what should they be thinking about when perhaps reaching out to lls to take some next steps and then also be mindful of the community. What I can suggest to landholders in that case is to try and get the community engagement, usually if they're having a problem with the pest, so are their neighbours. So what we suggest to landholders is contact your neighbours and see if they're actually having the same problem. It is about that community engagement and also, yeah, the more people that can participate in any pest animal control program, the more effective it's gonna be as well. So how can the community be empowered to manage pest animal populations? Well, there's a nap for that, and it's called FeralScan. So FeralScan is a program which has been designed for landholders, for farmers, for community groups, for local councils, biosecurity groups and others. That's Peter West, Invasive Species Officer with New South Wales DPI and FeralScan's National Coordinator. So FeralScan is a program readily available, free and easy for people to record information about introduced pest animals in their local area. And the sort of species we're talking about are foxes, feral pigs, Indian minor birds, cane toads, wild dogs, feral deer and several others. So there hasn't ever been a very um, user-friendly system for people to say, well, I've got issues with these species in my local area. So we designed a website and a phone app. They're both free to use. They're both very easy to use. So the way to get involved is to visit the website or to download the FeralScan pest mapping app, which is a free resource that people can download for Apple or Android phones. And if you see introduced pest animals in your local area, you can essentially record sightings or information about them in, in your local area. And that could just simply be a glimpse of a fox as it disappears into the local area, or it could be impacts that pest animals are causing. And the third point is if you are undertaking control of pest animals, you can easily record that information as well, recognising that that information is managed very securely and privately. And what we do with the system and what we do with the information that people record is to help build a landscape scale map of data in local areas and use that to try and support landholders or local groups with undertaking pest animal management programs. Thinking about the, the challenge that we face, what is the solution that FeralScan is offering? You know, why have you sort of chosen an app and website to solve this challenge? What was the rationale behind that? So building knowledge about pest animals in, in your local area is really important. We, we know that a lot of these um, introduced animals cause substantial impacts to native wildlife and um, to small farms and to people um, running enterprises. If you know where pest animals are, what impacts they're having, um, when are those impacts most significant? Um, what has been done to reduce those impacts? If, we, if you bring all those pieces of information together, there's, there's great scope to use that information to design really well-planned control and management programs. If you don't know that foxes are present, 
how are you going to reduce their impacts? If you don't know when they're causing damage or when they're causing impacts, how are you going to manage them? If you don't know what's previously been done, then it's really difficult to know what's the right strategy going forward. So what we try to do with Feral Scan is provide an easy to use um, system that people can create a local map of information in their local area to guide future management. I also work with Emma Soyers. Emma Soyers is working in the, in the training and community engagement sort of role. My name's Emma Sawyers. My role within Feral Scans really around the community training and developing and helping people to use the resource, recording information and to also make meaning from that information, so how to access data, who to talk to in the community, so if they're starting to record information on a particular species, connecting them to resources and people within their local area so that they can appropriately access information and manage pests in the most appropriate way. So there are multiple species within Feral Scan, each with different platforms, but I suppose two that I'd like to cover off on would be the New Pest Reporter, which includes highly invasive species such as corn snakes and red slider turtles and the toad scan resource. So both of these resources, particularly within the greater Sydney region, are really important. So toads are often moved through transport. So people might be, for example, traveling with caravans or moving from Queensland down to New South Wales, or it might be transport companies, etc. There's many different ways that toads can um, travel from one state to another. So we quite often get reports in urban and peri-urban areas of toad sightings, or maybe people are hearing toads. And this is certainly a really easy way of people reporting what they're seeing or hearing, and that report going through to uh, New South Wales Department of Primary Industries and through to local land services and um, the local government area where multiple different groups, including those that I just suggested, work together to manage the situation in the most appropriate manner and in a timely fashion. In addition to that, the new pest reporter, so corn snakes and ready slider turtles, we do have some of these species, particularly the ready slider turtles, that already exist in the open environment. And we're working at the moment to get a better understanding of where these highly invasive species are how many are out there and how we can best remove them from the environment to stop them having such a detrimental impact. So these species can be highly invasive and um, can have huge impacts on our native wildlife and further our agricultural sector as well. Not only are these platforms important for reporting, but they also link people to resources. And in particular, there's resources around identification of these species. We do have a lot of toad reports come through and many of them are native frogs. So one of the key messages when reporting animals is please don't kill the animal. Make sure that you report it first because that feral scan helps to get that information through to the experts and we can then help them to identify the species and then follow up on the report where appropriate after that. So there's plenty of resources as well that we try to link people to. The examples where I see the use of feral scan being the most effective is where there's strong community engagement in local areas already. So land care groups, landholder associations, community groups that are already active in trying to reduce the impacts of introduced pest animals, 
are usually the groups where we've seen the use of feral scan assist them the most. But that said, we are seeing some really great trends at the moment in terms of people using feral scan to understand what's happening in their local area in terms of pest animal activity. People that are using the software to say, well, we, we want to work together. We want to work in our local community. We want to work with local land managers around us to try and reduce the problems that rabbits or minor birds or foxes are causing. And quite often we will help an individual who's come forward and said, oh, look, I've had an issue with feral pigs for the first time, or I've seen feral deer in my local area. And we say, okay, well, do you know about this local group? Or do you know about these two groups operating in your region? You're not alone. And we help those individuals to connect to local groups or connect to local organisations such as New South Wales Local Land Services. The other aspect to that is that we, we really try hard to make sure that people are connected to local programs. So in New South Wales, a lot of regions currently have a program called Feral Fighters. So we try and encourage landholders to get involved with those Feral Fighters programs, which is essentially programs dedicated to promoting people to work together to undertake various pest control programs. The best example is coordinated baiting of introduced foxes. So rural landholders working with their neighbours, coordinating baiting activities, working at the landscape scale, those are the people that actually get the best results because they're working with all of their neighbours. If you do it just on your own, sometimes you have a real challenge. One of the key things I suppose we facilitate with Feral Scan is that we connect people to local support we try and make sure that they have access to all the available resources that are around and resources get developed and evolve. So we try and keep people up to date with new things that are available to them. We try and help people to potentially connect to funding sources or support that they may be able to obtain in their local area. And in that sense, our role is really to connect and assist people. What's your broader message managing feral pests and, and I guess working as community? You know, what's the main message that you have? The Feral Scan program really is the platform that gives people an opportunity to record information about pest animals in the local area. Realistically, the more information that's entered, the better. The bigger the picture can become, the clearer the picture can become. And what's important is that we recognise that pest animals don't just operate in, in a local area, they traverse large areas often. And so we need to manage their impacts and manage populations at a landscape scale. What's also important to recognise is that it's also about building a long-term picture. It's about building a detailed map or database of information about pests across the whole region. Because managing pests is everybody's responsibility but we can all work together. And the best way to work together is to have a very good, clear definition of what the problem is and uh, where those pest animal populations are most significant. One farmer who's experienced both the negative impacts of feral pests on his property and the benefits of using feral scan is Andrew Hambrook from Tarawa Farm in Kangaroo Valley. Tell me a little bit about your experience here on the land with feral animals and what are your, sort of the challenges you face here? Yeah, so in the six years we've been here, we've had a lot of problems with wild dogs and foxes, um, probably more so with the wild dogs. We find they, they sort of roam along the mountain ridge and we often hear them howling out the back. We've had uh, lost a number of sheep from dog attacks. Um, usually what happens is they'll round them up and chase them and the uh, sheep will run to dams and then once in the dam they drown so um, so we lost a few sheep um, luckily local land services 
and national parks are pretty onto the wild dogs and foxes in the area because um, of the brush-tailed wildies which are nearby. So each time we've reported a wild dog attack, they've come out pretty quick and uh, Trapper will set some traps out the back, some soft jaw traps. And uh, we've, yeah, we've probably caught a dozen wild dogs now in the traps. That's amazing. It really is. So. And tell me about your use of feral scan and how that's helped you. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm a strong believer in feral scan. I, I just wish every single property owner would have it and, and log everything they see because if, if the information of, you know, where the animals are isn't recorded and, you know, given to the right people, well, how can we ever control, you know, the wild dogs and foxes and, and whatever else feral scan sort of looks after. So I log every sighting I see, even if I just hear some howling, like a pack of dogs, I'll list it. Um, you can actually log in and list it as, you know, that you didn't see that, but you heard it. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's great. And it just, I guess it here helps sort of paint the picture for that broader region about the challenges, the pests, where they're located, and, and that's going to help us manage it better. Yeah, exactly. You know, even just when I'm driving along, if a fox runs across the road, I'll quickly pull over, log the sighting, and it takes like, you know, 20 seconds. It's so quick, and log it, and off I go. You know, if there's a dozen sightings of wild dogs in an area, well, the appropriate people can go, hey, we've got a problem here. I encourage everyone to download the app. It is so easy. A lot of people will start pest animal management when it's too late. So obviously if you're seeing half a dozen rabbits or a couple of deer straight away, don't let that population build up because it's a lot harder. It will cost a lot more to actually get that population down to a manageable level. Now the biggest one, for example, for us is people like seeing deer when there's two or three of them and they're like oh they're so pretty and i love seeing them when i have my cup of coffee and then usually in a couple of years time that three will turn into 30 and it's way too hard to actually start to control those deer or even like for rabbits for example when there's one or two of them they love seeing them hop around in their backyard but then when there's 40 of them then they have to obviously put a lot more pesticide out. Those rabbits have usually dispersed into neighbouring properties. So that's where it's very important is when you start to see pest animal sign, that's when it's to act on it as well. So don't wait until the problem's too big. Start straight away or at least monitor the population. And if you start to see it increasing, then you actually start to get on it. But early detection is very important in terms of pest animal practices. Even if you have got a small population of um, pests, contact us. Each property is obviously a different situation, so there's not sort of one rule for properties across the board. Like myself in Greater Sydney, local land services would be doing things differently than the other regions, like Western LLS, for example, just completely different community, completely different size holdings. So talk to a specialist. That way we can lead you through the best management for your particular pest and for your property as well. So start monitoring and then contact local land services so we can direct the landholder in the most effective and then obviously most humane way as well. So when it comes to managing pest animals on your property, it's important to act early. But also, remember to take a step back and ask yourself, what role am I playing on my patch? And how can I shift my management to encourage diversity and stability in the environment? And remember, no farm is an island. So reach out to your neighbours and local land services for support. And download the Feral Scan app. You can find out what's happening in your local patch. And by contributing, you're helping towards better pest management.
This podcast has been produced by The Grow Love Project on behalf of Greater Sydney Local Land Services. The episode was mixed and edited by me, Edgar Grester, and the executive producer was Susanna Cable. Thanks to everyone who participated in the making of this episode. You can find out more about them in the show notes. And to listen to other episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you know someone who could benefit, please share it with them. Thanks for listening.